Anybody here ever been disappointed? All right, how many of you were disappointed by a football game yesterday? Only one person in the whole room was disappointed by a football game yesterday. <laughs> oh, me. Well, you know, there's a lot of us who are huge football fans. I'm a football fan. Um, I like football. There's something about football that's kind of special. It's uh, special to me. Uh, and today we are going to be talking about disappointment. First Samuel chapter 16 is where we'll be opening our Bibles to. If you have a copy of God's Word, I encourage you to open it up to 1 Samuel chapter 16. That is in the Old Testament. That is after the first five books of the Bible. If you get to Psalms, you've gone too far. Turn around, make a U-turn, and go back. 1 Samuel is between Genesis and Psalms. We'll kind of give you an idea of where to be looking for that. If you're on your phone, it's right there in front of you if you're on the YouVersion app. If not, I encourage you to bring a copy of God's Word to God's house. If this is God's house, let's bring God's Word so we can study His Word. Amen? Amen. All right. When people disappoint us, whether directly or indirectly, it hurts. Anybody going to help me preach today? When we get disappointed by people, it hurts sometimes, doesn't it? it it's, it's some of the most worst it's the worst hurt that sometimes we can experience. Sometimes we, we're in shock, we're confused. Sometimes we feel guilt or maybe grief over the disappointment of someone. And sometimes we find ourselves in despair because we have such hope for people that you go, yes, they are the one. And then, nope, they are not. How do we avoid the negative spiral whenever we are disappointed by people? Thankfully, God has given us some clarity. What's going on here in 1 Samuel is uh, there, there is a, this group of people called the Israelites. They are a nation, and they want to be like everybody else. So they said, we want a king. And Samuel saying, no, you don't need a king. And they said, yes, we do. We want a king. We want to be like other people. We want to be like the other nations. Give us a king. So Samuel, after consulting God, God said, okay, give them what they want. And so Samuel anoints this man by the name of Saul to be king. Now Saul, I wish I could stand up here and tell you that he looked a lot like me. But he did not look like me. Saul was tall, dark, and handsome. And I'm about the opposite of all that. I'm short. I'm not dark. And the only person who would probably say I'm handsome is my wife. But she's obligated to, to do that. But Saul was this tall, dark, and handsome. When you looked at him, you are like... I want to be around that guy. Have you ever been around people like that? You just look at them and you go, man, I like this guy. That's the kind of king, that's the kind of person Saul was. People were drawn to him. So Samuel anoints him to be king. Well, Saul is, is going along as king and there's this Goliath episode and there's a lot of things that go on and this other little kid shows up named David and, um, in, in the story here in a second. But what happens is Saul is king over this nation and there comes a time when God gives him clear direction to do something. Now, many of us cannot understand, and we do wrestle with this idea that God said, I want you to go in and wipe out this nation completely. All their animals, all their people, everything. Take nothing for yourself. Destroy everything. Saul goes in there. And while Saul is there, being the leader that he is, he assesses the situation and he goes, you know what? I think some of this stuff could be used back at home. So he disobeys God, doesn't destroy everything, allows his men to take some things back. And when he's confronted by it, by Samuel, 
He says, oh, but see, this is stuff to offer to God. This is good stuff to offer up. Well, the king's still alive. Yeah, I know. But see, whenever you kept the king alive, that was like a trophy that you showed off to people to show how awesome and good you are. So Saul completely disregarded what God had said. He totally just took it and pushed it to the side and said it's not important. And so what happens is, because of this disobedience from a leader, God says, Saul, I reject you as king. Now, we would think that that story could just roll on and things could happen, but there's something very interesting that happens within, within Samuel's life when this happens because there is a great disappointment that comes upon Samuel, the prophet who anointed him to be king. He had great hopes for this man. This man was going to be great. But instead, he turned out to be a failure. He messed up. God rejects him as king. And we pick up with this story where Samuel is really depressed and he's down. And I want us to really look at the disappointing truth. The disappointing truth in, in your notes today that I want you to write down. We're going to look at a couple of things that's very clear in life that these are truths that you can take to the bank today and cash them in. The very first thing about disappointment is this. People will disappoint. Let's all say that and accept it today. Say it with me. People will disappoint. I think there's a few of you that just don't believe that yet. So let's help each other out. Let's say it like we, we believe it. People will disappoint. People will disappoint us because people are human. I want you to look in chapter 15, verses 10 and 11. This is referring to what's going on after God has rebuked Saul. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not carried out my commands. Now I want to point out real quick that just because God regrets something doesn't mean that God made a mistake. His regret isn't that he made a mistake making Saul king. It's just that it's sorrow for him that Saul chose what he chose. Reading on in verse 10, uh, verse 11. And Samuel was distressed and cried out to the Lord all night. Listen, Samuel was distressed because someone disappointed him. Someone didn't live up to the expectation. Someone made a mistake and he was distressed. Look over in verse 35 of chapter 15. Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death. For Samuel grieved over Saul. And the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. Samuel grieved. Have you ever been that disappointed? Have you ever been to a place where someone disappointed you so much that you were like grieving? You were sad. You were distraught. Maybe you were angry. You were upset. It put you in a place where you were disturbed. I don't know about you, but I have. I mean, I'm just going to admit to you right now. I've been disappointed by people. And there's been people that's been disappointed by me. Why? Because people will disappoint. I've said it before from up here, and I'm going to say it again. Make sure you get this. I am not perfect. Ask Jane if you're not sure. 
Or ask Buddy. He can tell you that I'm not perfect. I can disappoint. You can disappoint. But that doesn't mean that we're a failure. Somebody needs to hear that today. Somebody needs to hear that just because you disappoint or someone disappoints you doesn't mean that you or, or the situation is a failure. What we do with that disappointment is critical and key. But know that maybe there's been people in your life that has come along that you had high hopes for, you had dreams for, that you had this, this idea, and then they disappointed. Samuel was grieved. He was so disappointed. I want us also to look in verse 1 of chapter 16. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? Understand, Samuel was hurting over this. I have a feeling there's somebody in this room that's been hurt, that's been disappointed, that has found themselves having hopes and then them being dashed by someone. And it's tough. It's hard. And what do we do? How do we go on? Charles Stanley said that disappointment is inevitable. But to become discouraged, there's a choice. God would never discourage me. He would always point me to himself to trust him. Therefore, my discouragement must be from Satan. As you go through the emotions that we have, hostility is not from God. Bitterness, unforgiveness, all of these are attacks from Satan. Let me tell you, disappointment is an open door to a spiritual battle that will take place in your life that will allow the devil to find some victory if you're not careful. Listen to me, church. Disappointment will come in your life. Be careful what you do with the door because the devil can get a foothold and destroy you, your marriage, your family, your community. Everything can be destroyed by allowing the devil to have a foothold through discouragement. So as we look at this, we've got to be very, very careful in what we do. One of the things that I find very interesting about Samuel that we can really see as a truth here is, is the second thing that I want you to write down today. Not only do people disappoint us, but clinging to disappointment can effectively drive out God's work in us or through us. See, what happened to Samuel when he was disappointed by Saul? He went and sat down. He grieved. Maybe he stayed in his bed. Maybe he stayed in his house. Whatever he did, he was so disappointed. He did not do what God had called him to do, and that was to be a prophet. How do you know that, Pastor? Look at verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. Other words, God is saying, get up and get going. It's okay to be disappointed and it's okay to grieve and it's okay for us to have a hard time. And sometimes it takes a period of time to get through things. But the important thing to know is, do not let that drive out God's work in you. Listen, church. If you're not careful, you will allow disappointment in other people to drive out what God's doing in you and through you because you're just going to be so caught up in the wrong that was done instead of the right that God wants to do in the future. So we have to be very, very careful. <coughs> Excuse me. Our unmet dreams and expectations 
can lead us to a point where we are disappointed, where we are hurt and we are torn down. So God tells Samuel, pull up your bootstraps, prepare and go. God did not tell Samuel to stop grieving, did he? He just said, how long are you going to grieve? He didn't tell him to stop being disappointed, did he? No, he didn't say to change the way you feel. He just simply said, pull up your bootstraps, get prepared, and go. Can I tell you today that if you're disappointed in the church, and, and let me tell you, there's plenty to be disappointed about with the church. There was a man here one time that had not stepped foot in a church in 17 years because he was disappointed in the people in the church that he went to. 17 years he stayed out of church because of disappointment in other people. That is an attack from the devil to take people away from where God wants to do his work. God, God wants to use us to touch people and change lives, but the devil wants to use us too to disappoint other people, to disappoint people so they won't step foot back in this church. But what I'm excited about, after 17 years, he chose this place to come to church. And, he, and, and by the way, guys, you know what he told me? He said he's coming back. I have heard a story of one man who said this is the first time, first place that he's encountered genuine Christianity as he believes it should be is here at Chicopee. But can I tell you something? As great as those stories are, we can still disappoint because we're not perfect. We can still mess up. We can still, in a moment of feeling sick or feeling down or, or being irritated because of something that happened during the week or on the way to church, we can, in a moment, neglect to hug somebody's neck or say something or say something in a way that can disappoint someone. Please understand. Please give us forgiveness and grace. We don't want to disappoint anyone because we don't want it to be an open door to the devil destroying what God's doing in our life. But Samuel, what he did, it just seems like he just sat down. He was grieving. Grief is okay. But God finally came to him when it was time. God said, it's time, Samuel. You've had some time to grieve. How long will you continue to grieve? That is important. But listen, he did not say simply to go. He did not just simply say stop grieving what he told Samuel was specific look at this let's begin in verse 1 now the Lord said to Samuel how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel fill your horn with oil and go I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite and I have selected a king for myself among his sons other words it's not in your hands it's in my hands. Follow my direction here. You don't have to feel responsible, Samuel. I'm going to give you something to do. Just do what I've asked. Verse 2, but Samuel said, here comes the but. Oftentimes when we're dealing with such sorrow and disappointment, there's a but in our life, isn't there? Buts and howevers, we always throw them out. Listen, verse 2, but Samuel said, how can I go? How can I go? When Saul hears of it, he will kill me. You know, I wonder if this disappointment took a prophet who anointed a king, who told people about God to a place where he struggled like you and I. 
where he comes to this place and he goes, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid he's going to kill me, God. I'm afraid. I would even venture to say Samuel probably even was afraid that he would fail again. Can you imagine being the one that's anointed the king of the entire nation and then that king turns out to be a failure? Where did I mess up? I have totally failed in my job. I have failed. He has failed. I'm disappointed in me. I'm disappointed in him. And Samuel could have been disappointed in God. But the bottom line is this. God tells him something specific to do. And he says, what, how can I? He may kill me if he hears of it. Verse 2, but Samuel said, how can I go? When Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. I just love the way God works sometimes. Marion, this, this is what I love. Saul says, but he may kill me. And God is like, that's none of your concern, really. Take the heifer and you go. It doesn't change the fact of what I've asked you to do. Just go. Because God is using the personal pronoun of I am calling this man to, to be a king. I am sending you. You take this heifer. You do what I, I've asked you to do. And you trust in God. Whenever we are disappointed, the question becomes, now what? Now what do we do? But what do we do when we find ourselves so disappointed that we're grieving, we're hurting, we're at a loss, we're, we're struggling, uh, even maybe even to the point of being depressed? Here's the key thing that I think that we're about to see happens in Samuel's life. Write this down. We must obediently walk in my calling and refuse to let other people's actions determine what I do. Samuel had a choice. He, he brought up Saul. He said, look, Saul may kill me. He may find out about this, and he's going to come hunt me down, and I will die. You know what God's response was? Other people's actions should not determine what you do. If I've given you something to do, do it. Trust in me. That's what's going on right here with Samuel, is that he is really struggling Saul was a disappointment. Saul may come kill him. But yet, he had to be obedient to God. Let's read verse 3 and 4. You shall invite Jesse to the sacrifice. He even names the household. And I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one whom I designate to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and came to Bethlehem. By the way, who was born in Bethlehem? That's right. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the house of bread. This is where King David was anointed king, was in Bethlehem. Samuel, at this point, had a choice. Will I obey God or will I fear man? Will I waller in my disappointment and just say, enough is enough, I'm not going to deal with people anymore, or is he going to listen to what the Lord said? We cannot let someone else's unfaithfulness Stop what we are to be for God. Church, listen. Don't let someone else's unfaithfulness or disappointment keep you from becoming what God wants you to be. See, the devil wants to use that to stop the work in you, to stop you 
<coughs> excuse me, that's some more of that crud that I got. To stop you from becoming what God is destined you to be. And we have a choice just like Samuel did. Do not let the failure of your friends become the basis for abandoning the one friend who will always be there. Jesus himself. Let's talk about betrayal and disappointment. Jesus himself left heaven, came to earth, was born. Virgin Mary gave birth to him. He grew up as a baby, became a child and a teenager, became an adult, began ministering to people. He healed people. He made the blind to see, the lame to walk. He took away disease. He helped people who were, who were demon-possessed and had physical problems and mental problems and, and emotional problems. He was there to help people. He fed masses out of nothing. He did miracles galore. He calmed storms. He did all these things. He had these guys that he took with him and said, Come on, guys. I know a lot of people want to follow me, but I've called you. And 12 guys said, We're going to follow and on the day that he was to be crucified, everyone turned and walked away. Why? Because they were scared. If anybody had a right to be disappointed, it was Jesus. But even in the disappointment of man, Jesus said, my love transcends the disappointment I feel. The pain, the agony. My love for you transcends all of that. You want to talk about disappointment? Jesus felt it. Many of us in this room have felt it. Many of us have found some of the greatest pain to come from our brothers and sisters in Christ. And sometimes we just go, I'm done, I'm walking away. I don't want anything to do with them anymore. Sometimes it's important to build boundaries. Don't, don't hear me wrong here. It's okay to build boundaries in your life. But we have to be careful not to let the devil use that disappointment to keep us from being used by God. The thing that the devil would want more than anything is for you to just disregard disappointment and just say done with it I ain't fooling with those people anymore and just walk away if you have not been disappointed disappointments coming it's like hurricane that's off the coast of the east coast right now it's coming we know it's there and it's on its way disappointment will come in your life it's on its way what you do with it is going to be critical. So what must we do? What do we do with disappointment? How did Samuel respond here? Well, I can tell you one thing. The cure is not a pill. It's not a job. It's not found in a bottle. And it's not found in any kind of thrill. It is only found in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ himself. And cultivating that relationship. Listen to me, church. I said cultivate that personal relationship. Cultivate it. What does it mean, Pastor, to cultivate? Well, I believe that there are some key things that we can do. I want us to look back at verse 1 for a second. Larry, you're going to like this. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. 
Let's talk about that for a second. Why in the world would he say, fill your horn and go? Well, we know that down in verse 3, we know that God says, anoint the one I tell you to be king. Did you notice that God tells him what house to go to, what to take, what to do, but doesn't tell him which one of the sons it is? It's because it is a step of faith. It's a walk of faith. God may not tell you everything. You just need to obey what he's told you today. Then he's going to show you other things. But cultivating that personal relationship, check this out. In the Bible, oil is a representation of the Holy Spirit. Anytime you read something about oil, it often is referring to or has something to do with the Holy Spirit. Now, I know this does not look like a horn at all, does it? This is a jar. And you know what this jar is used for? Oh, it is used for one of the sweetest things that I love. Anybody want to take a guess? Not pickles. No, they're not sweet. I like pickles. Not sweet. Somebody said tea? What kind of tea? Sweet tea, because we're in the South, boys and girls. Ladies and gentlemen, y'all, we're in the South. Sweet tea. When we, have, when we have guests come over to our house, this jar comes out. And Jane fixes sweet tea. Now, we normally don't have sweet tea in my house unless guests come over. So if somebody would like to come over sometime soon, I sure would appreciate it. But this is a container that, it, that we fill up with sweet tea. Now, I want you to think of this as our life, us, me, you. We often take our life and we fill it up with stuff, don't we? Like work. Man, i got to put a priority on work. i got to work hard. That's going to be the essence of who I am. I'm going to be a hard worker. I'm going to make a name for myself as someone who does my job and does it well and works hard. What about, what about other things in our life? What about the things that we don't want to let go of, that we hold on securely to, that we put locks on? Maybe it's somebody. Maybe there's somebody in our life that we make a top priority and we put it and we make it so that we've got to make sure that they are secure and we are secure. Maybe, maybe there are things that we listen to. Oh, the pastor's going to go and start meddling. Yeah, I am. That was nice and good grammatically correct. Southern as you can get right there. Yeah, I am. I'm going to go and meddle a little bit. What we listen to goes inside of who we are. If you listen to junk, you know what you're going to become? Boy, there's only two of you that wanted to say that out loud. If you listen to junk, you know what you're going to become? Junk. You listen to good stuff, you know what you're going to become? Good stuff. Let's go a little bit farther. Oh, the pastor's gone and meddled. He's gone too far now. We're going to have to have a meeting. See these glasses? You know what I'm going to talk about next? What you look at. What you watch. What you see. What you choose to let come in your eyes. The Bible says these are a lamp into your soul. What you see and what you hear go down deep inside. So we fill ourselves up with what we see. What we hear. We make priorities out of our jobs. The things that we have that we want securely. Oh now, I know some of you are not going to like what I'm pulling out now. 
Some of you spent, you know I love you, right? Some of you have more of a priority and spend more time with this than you do your own family and you do with Jesus Christ. And you have placed it at the center of your being, at the center of who you are. It's a priority. You can't go 15 minutes without checking your phone. Hey, I'm going to admit, it's hard for me not to constantly check my phone. I get, I get texts every hour of the day. I'm constantly getting texts. And I'll get phone calls. And there's emails. And it bombards me. And that, is, that can be a good thing. And it can be a tool of Satan to distract me and cause me to stuff it down in my soul and become addicted to it. What about the toys that we have? And the, the things that we try to possess to make us look good? We make those priorities, don't we? And we make them top-notch. Okay, let's turn that car so it looks right. And, and so we make it a big deal in our life to have stuff and have toys and, and have fancy houses and cars and time. Time is something that God has given all of us equally the same. Time is something we all have. Not one of us, no matter what our position, our age, our background, or our future, we all have the same amount of. But many times we take the time and we use it in such a way that time drives us rather than us driving time. Now here's something very interesting. You see that jar. I don't know about you, but... I would prefer not to drink sweet tea out of this jar right now. I would not want somebody to pour sweet tea in that jar and then me pour a glass of it because it's got all kinds of junk in it, right? Somebody follow me here. This, is a, this, this, this would not be very pleasing to take sweet tea and pour in here and, and then pour you a glass. Many of us would turn our nose up to it. Listen, God told Samuel... Fill your horn with oil and go. Let me tell you what God is not telling you to do with your disappointment and your life. He's not saying put all this junk in your jar. Put all this stuff into your life. Now, it, it, it's not bad to have these things. But here's what God wants you to do. He wants you to take every bit of, bit of it. He wants you to dump it out. Give it to Him. Let it be empty because He cannot fill you with the Holy Spirit if there's a bunch of junk in there. If there's a bunch of stuff that's gotten in the way, he can't fill it to the top. There's things in the way. So what I propose is instead of all this stuff in our life, why don't we stuff our souls and our minds and our bodies with the Word of God and Jesus Christ and fill it up with Him instead of all the things of this world? If we become disappointed with people, we can either let all the other things distract us and let them kind of give us a bomb, or we can do what God said to Samuel. Fill your horn with oil and go. If you want to go forward after your disappointment, let me tell you what you need to do. Fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. Get the Holy Spirit running inside of you where it's out of control. And I guarantee you, disappointment, it's got to go. Let me tell you, here are three things. Number one, prayer. Prayer is critical to get the Holy Spirit more inside of you. Well, Pastor, I'm too busy to pray. 
Well, hot dog, we, we threw a time, a clock, a watch right here on, on the stage. Let me tell you something. You need to get that out of you. And you need to find the time. Make the time. Make it a priority to pray. And I'm not talking about, now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake. What a terrible song to teach kids. If I should die before I wake, pray the Lord my soul to take. We need to come to God in a true essence of prayer. Not only prayer, but Bible study. We need to be involved in a Bible study. We have Bible studies here on Wednesday night. Troy, how many people were in your class Wednesday night? Four people were in his Bible study Wednesday night. Where was everybody? Oh, pastors have got personal. I don't like this. Let me tell you, if you don't do a Bible study here, do a Bible study somewhere. You don't have to come to Chicopee to do a Bible study. Just get in a Bible study. You're not going to fill yourself with the Holy Spirit and neglect God's Word at the same time. It cannot happen. His Word was revealed by the Holy Spirit, and you will only get to know the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. So if you think, well, I can be a Christian all by myself. I can stay home and be a Christian. I don't have to come and be beat up by a pastor and other people. I can just be, be a Christian at home. Well, let me tell you, if you want to do that, then you'll continually live in sin. I'm just going to bring it to you straight today. I'm not going to pull any punches. I'm just going to throw this out here. Hebrews chapter 10. If you want to see it in black and white, just turn to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. Over in verse 23 and 24, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. In other words, let's be strong in our faith. Let's hold fast this faith that we have. Let's not be shaken by it. Listen, he says, for he who promised is faithful. God is faithful. How do we know that? Through the word of God. But listen, and let us consider how to stimulate others, one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together. The Bible says we are to come together as a, as a body and as believers in Jesus Christ. If you want to live out your faith without church, without God's people, you're going to live out your faith in sin every day because you are neglecting what God said when He said to make sure you get together. Don't forsake that. Get together. I know some people cannot because of physical problems. That's not what I'm referring to. I'm talking about us able-bodied people who will not go to church just because, I just don't feel like it today. Get over yourself and suck it up and become a man and get in church somewhere. It doesn't have to be here at Chicopee. Just get in church somewhere. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. I have seen a difference made in marriages when they decide to come to church. Amen, Zach? That's a couple. You want to you wanna know what church will do for a marriage? Go talk to them after the service. Would that be okay? Y'all just go talk to them about what difference it made in their marriage when they started coming to church. Church will make a difference. It don't have to be here at Chicopee. It could be at another church. If you're not in a church, you need to be in a church. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, if you want to move on from disappointment, you have got to be getting the Holy Spirit in you. And the only way to do that is through prayer and Bible study. And I'm just boldly going to say being in church. 
So let me encourage you. Let's not have just five people in Troy's Bible study Wednesday night. Let me encourage you to come to Bible study this Wednesday night. Bible study and prayer. Martin Luther said, Together with God's people in united adoration of the Father is as necessary to the Christian life as prayer. Coming together is important. This is the only place where you're going to be able to give and not only get. See, oftentimes what we do is we only see church or we see other things and places as a place we can get stuff, right? We go to the store, we get stuff, we get stuff. We, are, we have been programmed to get things. But when we come to church, it's a place where we can give. We can give of ourselves. We can grow. We can share. We can walk this journey together. And we can understand we're not alone. Church is so vitally important. I was of the persuasion for many years that, you know, being in church, being part of a church, eh, it's not that important. I am totally the opposite now. It is vitally important. And let me stress to you, I'm not saying that so that you can be part of Chicopee. I'm stressing it, you go be a part of a church anywhere. I'm saying any good church, just go be a part of it. You don't even have to come back to this church. This isn't about me building this church or, or my benefit. It's about your benefit. Church is important to be with God's people. Bible study and prayer. The last thing that we need to do the last thing we need to do is to obey God's directives. That's what Samuel did here. Samuel could have just said, I'm done, I give up. But God said, don't give up, get up. He said, get up, get prepared, and go. And that's exactly what God wants us to do today. We see that Samuel obeyed explicitly in verse 5 of 1 Samuel chapter 16. He went to Jesse's house. He did exactly what God asked him to do. And then when it was all said and done, he looked around and he said, Look, Samuel had come to the place where he realized God's man is here somewhere in your house. Do you have any more boys? Yeah, I got one. He's out in the field. He's a runt. He's, he's not. Go get him. He was the one. He was the one. So you never know, you never know who it is that you are going to touch on the other side of your disappointment. When you get up, you get prepared, and you go and do what God's asked you to do. So I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you to really examine yourself and where you are with these priorities in your life. Work and time and toys and, and money and, and what you look at, what you listen to, your cell phone, these kind of things. Where are they in your life? Do they take precedent over Jesus Christ? Let me encourage you with this. Take seven days. Change the priority. Let Jesus be number one. Allow the Holy Spirit to begin to fill you up and see what a difference it will make. We pray with me. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for this message. Lord, I'm glad to know I'm not the only one in history that's ever been disappointed. I'm glad to know I'm not the only one who's disappointed people. But Father, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are never a disappointment. That you are always there on time. You're always present. And Lord, I trust in you for that. Today, Lord, 
I'm not sure who this message was for, but somebody needed to hear that they're not wrong for being disappointed. But what they do with this disappointment will determine how you can use them in their life. So, Lord, I pray today that they'll surrender themselves to you completely, that they'll pour out all these things that get in the way so that they may be filled with the Holy Spirit, that they may be filled with the fullness, as it says in Ephesians. Lord, may your Holy Spirit work in our hearts now with this message. Lord, for those who do not know Jesus Christ and they don't have that personal relationship that I talked about, I pray today, Lord, that they will simply realize right now you deal with their hearts and their minds. You deal with them in a way that they understand that they are separated from you. And their only hope is to ask you to forgive them and take over their life. Lord, I thank you that you've made it that easy. That all we have to do is come to you and say, forgive me and take over my life. Lord, that is grace. I pray that today, those who do not know you as their personal Savior will take that grace. They will fill their horn with the Holy Spirit by accepting Jesus Christ. And that they may be able to go in your power. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. Now do a work in us, in Jesus' name. Amen.